like your little polo. <sighs> Thanks. It's oh, nice. Nice. I'm getting lost in your polo. It's like I'm it's looking up at the, at the starry night sky. Wow, that's such a beautiful song. So many white dots on that. Is it blue? And there are Is light blue dots as well. Oh, yes. I, I feel like I'm out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> wow. Not a, not, a, not a skylight or a... Wow. Telephone pole around. You're, you're in Deadwood. Just, you're just I'm in Deadwood. Oh, I was gonna go the be best up. thing about the town of Deadwood, and they never actually talked about it on the show, which surprised me, was that very low light pollution. Mm. Very mm-hmm. low light pollution, mm-hmm. which is a very attractive quality these days. And a mm-hmm. place to live, place to raise a family and uh, sow your sow True. your seeds and grow your farm. I would above. love to be in Deadwood and just say fuck all the time. Same. Wait, you fucking... I haven't seen Deadwood in 10 years. I've never watched the program, so give me a sample between you two. You motherfuckers. Give me a sample conversation. That's calamity. calamity. I mean, I haven't seen Deadwood in 10 years, but it's mostly just like... Are you fucking drunk i don't i don't a know lot. a lot that was in that was in oh, jackson maine oh, that was from jackson maine from the bottom of my silver spurs i've never seen a man who did declare what a dereliction of identity and duty and i believe uh, that courage was an undervalued quality of a man i don't hear the word fuck <laughs> oh hold on if euphoria oh, yeah. if euphoria's got, got 30 got dicks in it <laughs> Welcome to fucking Deadwood. I got stuck I, on the I verbosity and the big words. A, All right, throw some. A, uh, an Uproxx article called The Collected Wisdom of Deadwood Pimp Philosopher, Al Swearingen. But when I, when I Googled it, it said Al Swearingen's top 10 curse-filled quotes. So Brandon, hit Brandon, the word swear is in his last name. True. Swearingen. So Euphoria's got. I want to know who cut the fucking cheese. (laughs) Is that a fart joke? We'll get to Swiss Army Man in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Daniel Radcliffe's hairy crack. (laughs) You could lose a quarter in there. Oh, this one is. This one is good. Get tangled in the web. (laughs) Are you ready for this one? Yeah. God rest the souls of that poor family. And pussy's half price for the next 15 minutes. Is this an episode of Euphoria? It's about <laughs> commerce, Brandon. It's about commerce. It's about industry. I just want to keep referencing Euphoria. It's never a show about seen the program. It's a show about literal cottage industries. Mm-hmm. I love it. I haven't love seen it. it in 10 years, and I've never finished it. It is but one of... Did you watch the movie yet? No, because I've been re-watching, so I'm, I'm saving it. I'm edging on Edgewood. Mm. You know? Edgewood. 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 Dead edge. Daniel Radcliffe's close up of his butt. When, is that when, image when Paul ingrained? Dano, when Paul Dano s- slaps down his shorts. Is that image ingrained in anyone else's brain? I'm looking at it in my, in my head. I'm looking at it in my head. I no. didn't even have time to rewatch the movie for this, and the image is burned in my brain. I, I don't remember any of Swiss Army Man really? when I rewatched butt. it, except for that shot. I did not remember that. In the beginning. Specifically, when he pulls down the shorts that, for no, more that's, air power. That's what I'm talking. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, a lot of fire. I love Swiss Army Man. We'll get to it when we get to so it. So, upon rewatch, I found much. everything about it repellent. Hell yeah. Oh, you hated it. I hated every minute of it. Knowing, <laughs> knowing how it ends. That, I think I've seen me. it two or maybe three times. So I've seen. I've done the rewatch, knowing mm-hmm. where it's going, and it just makes it even more. Bitterly ironic to me. What's so bad about the ending? Tell me. Really? <laughs> it makes. I mean, because he's a creep. Yeah. And it validates him. I don't. I. I think it does the opposite. 
I don't know that it validates him, but it does uh, pull the rug out from under you after asking you to care about him for an hour and 15 minutes and then tells you he is kind of an a-, a bad guy, maybe. Oh, which I think, I see. Which I think is a valid sentiment to explore, but I think that I prefer a version of the movie that doesn't do that. Oh, interesting. Because I think it's part, very much part of the movie. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of Under the Silver Lake in that way. Like the guy so, is supposed to be an asshole. There's so right. much entitlement throughout the whole thing, and like he's he's teaching Daniel Radcliffe what it means to be human, but it's all through a very specific lens of like, mm-hmm. you have to like Jurassic Park and like sort of quirky pretty girls. Yeah. Like it's, I wish I had had time to rewatch it before we talk about it later. Uh, yeah, filmmaking sorry. is quite good though. Yes, I'm making us. The Daniels. Well, Dan- two Daniels. Two Daniels. Daniels. That's two, it's not that's, the Daniels. That's, it's just Daniels. It's too, too many, if you ask me, Brandon. Um, too, too many. I'm sorry to hear that. That's just my opinion. <laughs> well, we're not talking about that film. We're not talking about anything yet. We have, we're not here yet. We haven't sat down. Let's talk about how this we week haven't has sat been down. utter hell. You're right. We are standing up right now. <laughs> we're standing. I'm, stand, I'm in the roof on the corner like <laughs> Tony Collette. Oh. That's the only positive hereditary reference I think I've ever heard you make. Someone else brought the film up to me earlier today. Friend of the podcast. Fellow film fag whose last name I can't pronounce. Francesca. So I'm not going to say his last name. <laughs> Okie dokie. And he'll listen to this and be like, Benjamin. <laughs> what do you say? What do you say? Um, he just, it, the conversation started with a, a direct Midsummer will not be good. And I was like, well, did you like Hereditary? And he was like, yeah. Like, not enthusiastic, yes, but a yes. Mm-hmm. And then we started, I was like, I truly don't like What him. is, why don't you like Hereditary and why don't people like Hereditary again? I just think. I forget people the People think Ari why. Aster is not talented. No, I know, but that's very broad. Like, what is it I think specific? I just don't remember he, what people don't like about her. I don't think he knows where to put the camera or where to cut the shots. Okay. Interesting. Like, to well, the point that I can't get anything out of that movie. Okay. I don't agree, but I do think that when it comes to editing, I am very nervous about Midsummer, which I think we talked about on the last episode Hundreds. of the episode prior, Walter. Two hours and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know who can sustain that type of tension for that long, especially in a horror film. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. I just don't know, Brandon. (laughs) You know, I saw a a list of the top movies to see in July. Yeah. I don't know what publication posted this list, but they said, you got to see the new Hereditary. What? It seems like he's not trying is to it do being the new remade. He sounds like he's trying not to is do it the hereditary, new hereditary remake. It's just branding, I guess. Why would yeah. you refer to it as the new hereditary? I will say there is something that appeals to me just a grueling psychological exercise with Florence Pugh in the center, realizing that she's sort of being gaslit or, you know, led down the wrong path and taken advantage. Like, I'd be interested, like, if. Like a lot of young actresses, I would be most interested in seeing her do mm-hmm. that for two and a half hours. Yeah, I mean, like I would. The not... trailer does not show. I mean, the trailer, the full length trailer starts so far that. back where like she's preparing to go on the trip with the shitty boyfriend. I don't even think we're gonna get to the fair until like forty five minutes in. I don't think so either, and like. The action, the the trailer flashes 
two horrific images yeah. for a split second each. Right. The trailer doesn't. I mean, I think we are in store for some, some fucked up shit. I am sort of having a wave of nausea around Twitter cynicism today, which just comes in waves. It comes and goes. Sometimes I bitterly, bitterly engage with it, and other times I'm just completely turned off by it. And I was quite turned off when I saw something where someone like retweeted Jordan Peele, who I guess saw the movie and was very complimentary of it. Mm-hmm. And basically was like making fun of like why you would care what anyone who's made two movies thinks about a genre. And then basically yeah, like mocking. Stupid. It's absolutely moronic. And like mocking the idea that like people are like calling him the new Hitchcock. It's like, we can mock that, mm-hmm. but he has nothing to do with that moniker. And I just like see shit like that. It's like, have you made even one horror movie? Right. Like- yeah. Okay. And they're both amazing. Um, not to, I know we sort of already did the Lit Crit Corner with Zadie Smith last week, but I was reading her Get Out essay, which is not something that I am qualified to speak upon, but the, what she, the road she goes down there, which I also thought about in relation to The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which I will not be commenting on because I don't get to have a voice in that, uh, in the argument that she's making. But at the end, she was talking about how, she was talking about how Get Out like goes beyond. She's like, yes, it's very specifically about like, being black in a white space in America and, and sort of just the divisions between black and white America. And she was like, she's like, I, I look forward to, he's, she was like, but more broadly, he's getting at something about like us, like in quotation marks and quotation marks them. And she was like, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Like when he broadens his scope a little bit, it makes it more broadly about mm. like the us and them. And I was like, Sadie, you she, prescient she lady. Knew. She, she literally knew. predicted she it. She literally predicted it. <sighs> wow. Anyway, this is you not know. the midsummer episode. No. Nor is it, it the Jordan Peele episode. Not yet. What is it, Ben? Uh, am I in charge? Yes. Okay. Because you liked the film the most. You did? I did. Okay. I really liked the film. Great. I have a lot. I mean, I have a yeah, lot the pressure's of off. But I, I liked, liked it too. I, I, think it's a, I think it's a very good debut film. I do too. I, I'm looking forward to. Uh, the the same style with a different subject, mm. personally. Um, still at okay, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> we are here today to talk about the last black man in San Francisco, which is. Who are we? Oh, sure. <laughs> Thank you I for don't. making sure. We are movies IMO. Oh wow. We are. We introduced the film before the name of the bond. Wow. I'm sure that's been how done mysterious. Before. My name is Ben Empey. How zany. I'm, my name is Daniel Crook, and I'm flabbergasted. How, in How the word, weird. In the word of Keanu Reeves at the Toy Story 4 red carpet, how wacky. Did you guys Truly, see that? No. Didn't see it. <laughs> okay. So some interviewer for People was like, people are calling you the boyfriend of the internet. Everyone loves you. And he's like, what? <laughs> she's like, you haven't heard that? And he's like, no. And she's like, well, it's true. And he's like, how wacky. And then he grabbed uh, his skateboard and <laughs> slid off the side. Uh, got right out of frame. Got a jet. What, who does he play in Toy Story 4? A toy. Uh, does he play Forky? No, Tony <laughs> Hale plays Forky. Oh. Uh, if Keanu Reeves right. was Forky, I don't know who I am. I'm trash. I think I <laughs> I'm not a toy. I can't speak about Toy Story 4 because I haven't seen the film, but I would almost believe Keanu Reeves' existential terror and quandaries <laughs> more than Tony Hill. I feel like that's my take. Um, I'm looking up. Tony Hill's more playing. of a spoon. 
Well, plays, it's a sport. He plays Duke Kaboom. Like the iconic. Literally hoopsed. <laughs> the iconic Duke Kaboom. Is the title of the character is the this... iconic Duke Kaboom? Or... <laughs> Literally, and I cannot express this enough, hoops. That is some, that, that feels like a nickname Luke Wilson would get. Oh, he was out. introduced in Toy Story 3. Oh, was he? He's the like the evil Knievel motherfucker. Wait, Keanu, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. did Keanu voice this character the in the time? third film? He must Linda's have they must, some they must have upped his his role. They must have upped. Huh. <laughs> Do Interesting. Wanna, oh, the sh- shop Disney has the Duke Kaboom Stunt Racer Launcher for oh, 1995. There you go. Dan- Daniel, do you want me to get that for you? If you did, I would. Cinema, cry. I'm sorry. I, would, I would be really it's touched. It's time to give money to Disney I'd again. I'd be so touched oh, by that at, gift, Brandon. Oh, look at this one. It's Duke Kaboom Tiny Big Feet Plus. <laughs> tiny Big Feet? He's got <laughs> tiny body and big feet. Usually when you got a big body, you got big feet. Got a tiny body, got tiny feet. This is wild. This is wacky. $3. The inver- $3. That's a deal. I'm going to buy it right now. Buy four. <laughs> buy five. Get them for all of your family for Christmas. And friends. <laughs> Brandon, what's this? Well, it's the dupe kaboom tiny big feet plush. <laughs> you notice how the feet are tiny, but the body is big. Have you ever seen anything like that? Didn't you see Toy Story 4 in theaters? Brandon, Mom? You, uh, Brandon, Brandon, you know what they say about big feet. <laughs> a tiny little body! <laughs> they got a big Duke Kaboom. Oh, Jesus, Brandon. Duke Kaboom. This is a We are a podcast. That oh, I'm Brandon Kirby. I'm ta- Duke Kaboom. You're Duke Kaboom. <laughs> I'm oh god, Duke Kaboom and Forky come in a combo set. <laughs> for, but for that combo, I'm sure it's like twenty dollars. The two new big characters—is that the point? <laughs> to add to Jordan, the set that you already Jordan have? Jordan Peele plays a rabbit. Oh, he in does. Toy Story Four. How cute! Isn't that? He tweeted my second favorite rabbit of the year. Nice. <laughs> Jordan. That's funny. Who does this guy Guess think he is? Guess what does, this is guy, bunny's name This is. guy makes two movies and he thinks he can talk about which bunny is the best. How Keanu what is Reeves. The, the character. Bunny. Oh, damn. Yeah, How Keanu Reeves fresh. convinced filmmakers to give Duke Kaboom more depth. Why don't you look at that? <laughs> we know Duke Kaboom had velocity, but oh. we did not know that he had depth. Wow. Uh, now we do. We do know that. And we know now. he's got big old feet. <laughs> little body, though. Little body, though. Don't forget about the little <laughs> body. I'm just, I've lost it. Little body. You just, don't, you just don't expect that. You do not expect a little body with big feet. You don't. I can, I'm, I'm wacky. It's an understatement. Uh, I can't wait till they update the rides at Disneyland. Well, I To get, include Duke Kaboom. Oh. <laughs> Duke Kaboom's blasters. <laughs> Bulldoze cars. There's a new ride in town. Duke Bulldoze. <laughs> Bulldoze cars. Duke Kaboom's Blast Off City. Featuring Jordan Peele's rabbit. Bunny. And Bebo, Bebo Peep. Annie, What's her name? Annie Potts. Annie Potts Bo Peep. Bebo Peep. <laughs> Peebo Bryson. Is that what you were going for? Uh, starring Bryce Dallas Howard in Rocket Man. <laughs> I'm Duke Kaboom. <laughs> Are you using your big feet, Duke Kaboom? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my hands. My oh, face is big. That was good. My hands. <laughs> Duke Kaboom. Brandon, you got a tight vibe on Duke Kaboom. <laughs> you do. Bulldoze cars. <laughs> I'm going to take it to the stage. Second City? <laughs> Are you listening? Is this a <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, thanks for being here.
I didn't. I didn't have the two drink minimum. Did you already have your two drink minimum? Brandon? <laughs> Can you tell? No, I couldn't. But then I now I do remember you had you had a work drinks tonight, right? <laughs> did you have, have work drinks? You had happy this? hour. How Where many, did you go? How many times am I going to show up to this podcast? <laughs> drunk? I can't remember which episode it was. Remember, like, you texted the next day. You were like, could you guys tell I was drunk? That was, like, two weeks I was ago. Like, what? I was drunk for souvenir. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Joanna Hogs. The souvenir. That was the night when you really pushed that one upcoming episode theme that I don't want to reveal. Mm. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Did we? Did we? Did we spoil the theme on the mic? I don't yeah. know. We, God no, damn. we did. I was telling someone about this the other day, and I'm like, "You're not going to believe what we're doing for the Fourth of July." <laughs> <laughs> like, we have a gangbusters theme for we the Fourth really of July. Do. We have a film in this homework that hmm, mm, and I, hmm? is on the is on brand for that. Baboom! And I oop. And I baboom. The last black man in San Francisco is about <laughs> the gay voice jumped out on San Francisco specifically. San Francisco. <laughs> Last, San Francisco. We're here to talk about the last black man in San Francisco. <laughs> I'll do it in Notre Dame voice. No, nope. San Francisco. <laughs> Notre Dame. Why I did I say that? that? It's. I don't remember why, you but were, I do you were remember. Popping off. I remember that I yelled Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> and now I use it constantly. Madame X. <laughs> oh, it's fun. It's a fun way to phrase things. Duke Kaboom! <laughs> uh, anyway, it's good to have a good laugh. Uh, um, th- it's a movie about. 14 minutes till I pause everything and play oh. Taylor Swift's oh, new song. 14 minutes. Do you want to go and introduce the, what's the going debut. to in- introduce this uh, Kaboom that's going to duke it out for. All right, everyone. Microphone attention moving in on. 14 minutes, I'm going to premiere Taylor Swift's new single, Get the Fuck Over It. Idiots. What's it called? Is that what it's called? Sorry, you need to calm down. You it's need, you, Brandon. You need to calm it down. Called, you need to calm it's down. It's literally called "You Need to Calm Down." Which How is great. Is that my uh, the song they play when I score a field touchdown at the football game? What? What? Are you playing football? Yeah, I'm playing. Are football. You, what team are you on? I'm gonna the Lakers. I'm gonna tag team. Uh, <laughs> Uh, football league, yeah, the Lakers. Nice, yeah. good for you. The That's gay so Lakers, the Raptors, the Raptors, and, and and when I score a touchdown, they play that calm down song that we're about to hear in thirteen minutes. Yes, but my friend's team won the Stanley Cup last night. I don't what? know. I don't know what that. Your is friends all about. are NHLer. Yeah, it's our our friend who sits next to me at work. It's the movie we're talking about today. Oh, we today we're talking about. The last black man in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. the debut film from the creative team, Joe Talbot and Jimmy Fails. Um, It's a a movie about two young men in San Francisco doing friendship and... Housework. Housework. One of them, the titular, the titular Jimmy, is... Of the he, he creative is, he, team, he is also the titular yes, last black man in San Francisco. That, yes, but I I did mean because of the creative team, Jimmy Fails plays Jimmy Fails in this film. Titular. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy is trying to reclaim a house in the mission that his grandfather built in the forties. That a Victorian man. It's a Victorian man with a witch's hat. Yes. yes. He stands on the balcony of my favorite house in San Francisco when he's at work. 
which is really? not. Yes. There's that shot of him like drinking coffee mm-hmm. on a balcony mm-hmm. on a purple house. It's on Dolores. That is literally the one moment that I went up to pee. I that because I don't remember that moment. It's it's the one scene in the when he's at work. I was using the restroom. Okay. Which is what? An old folks home? A nursing mm-hmm. home? Oh, mm-hmm. I can't believe I missed that. Mm-hmm. I was trying to time it. Oh, I made a big mistake. Well, you needed the that guide and when he's, to he's go really to the restroom. Pink is this a real guide? Last black man in San Francisco. I'm making fun of the Avengers urinating guide. Oh, oh God. yeah. Oh, okay. So, and they, he's trying to reclaim his house. The people that have lived there for 12 years or whatever, they're, they've moved out because they're deciding what to do with the house or whatever, and someone's was mom unc- died. Was very it unclear is unclear to why me. they have to move out. Well, they say that she's fighting with her sister mm-hmm. because her mother died. I don't understand why the house has anything to do with right. that. Right, which implies that the mother owns Owned the, the house. house. But it is unclear. So they're evicted. and then. Oh, but are they evicted, or do they choose to leave? It is, it's just, I don't know. It's a little really unclear. Yeah. It is very unclear. If it, I think... If it was like an estate dispute, if the old their old woman owned it, they would have to leave. They just move out so fast. Yeah, it like is fast. the day, mm-hmm. the day. Well, there's a lot of moments where things move. It's very on realistically the nose. fast. It's a very on the nose. Like movie. when all the furniture is all of a sudden on the sidewalk in like three hours, and like Jimmy Jimmy much. fails, manages to move everything into in. the house in five minutes. But Jimmy, we don't know how much time Jimmy had to do that. Jimmy's also very strong. Jimmy's very hot. Thank you. (laughs) Jimmy. It's a pretty good looking guest. Anyway. So they move into the house and they squat there and they're trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to keep the house forever. Yes. Yes. That's the plot of the film. We will also be discussing other films that won the directing prize at Sundance, which this film obviously won because that's the topic. This film also won like best creative collaboration or something. Did they make that up for? I wonder if they did. Mm. I'm not sure. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other movies are Martha Marcy May Marlene directed by Sean Durkin. That's correct. Um, Beach Rats. Directed by Eliza Hittman. Super correct. And Swiss Army Man, directed by Daniels. Daniels. Daniel. I can't remember. Daniel. Dan Kwan? I was going to say Kwan and then. Daniel Scheinert. Scheinert. What are they up to? Gave him the old shine. I don't know what they're up to. I would like to see more butts in farting. Hmm. So, Manola (laughs) Dargis, I think. Gave it like a flawless hundred. She sure did. Um, and I read her review, and I think I like it the most. I was just very moved. I really was. I was also moved. And because of that, I'm willing to forgive the flaws that I felt leading up to the the being moved. But mm-hmm. I did. There was like a good half an hour to forty five minutes at the top where I was like, "Oh, this is not good." Yeah, it's like the classic Terrence Malick voiceover with this movie. It's mm-hmm. like good, bad, always you wrestle within me. Yes. That's my viewing experience yes. of this film. And there was like going back and forth. The best scene for me is when he goes to the bank man to ask for a loan. Great scene. That is the best scene in the movie. And because Jimmy Fails is a rock star in this movie. Yeah, I would say that's the best. Well... Not the best scene for me, but it's a very good scene. What is your favorite scene? <clears throat> I mean, it's it's when all they the... do the sauna and they're naked. That's well, a great that's scene. A... Mm. 
sink. I was sweating. I could feel the perspiration from my doing sink. was doing sweat. Doing Jimmy Fells was doing pets. I was doing a light trickle. Was this a play first? Down. I don't know. I don't <clears throat> think I did enough. I don't research. think it was. I I don't know. It wasn't because I did do the research. I don't know why I phrased it as a question, but it just, <laughs> I feel like. But it should have been. I feel be. like it was. Well, it's a play in the film. It, ends, it ends as a play. It's my the favorite, titular play. My, my like favorite. You can get away with all of the characters join for the play within the play on stage that, mm-hmm. in a way you can't get away with it in a movie, I think. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's like, who are all these people? Where are they it's all come from? T- I think there's a very theatrical staging of this mm-hmm. film. Um, even though it is going full tilt in some of the cinematic elements, especially the zoom lens. But when you consider how like archetypical a lot of these characters are and how we get such a discreet view of this world in theater, obviously it's a collection of scenes that can't extend past the proscenium, which Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you can't like create the the version of a wide shot Mm -hmm. in a stage show in a play. But this movie almost feels like dioramic and mm-hmm. at worst hermetically sealed to me mm-hmm. in the world that it's exploring because mm-hmm. we're only getting very specific gazes around that, it. Yeah. And so I could see this working better on, well, better, whatever. That's, a, that's like the worst thing you could say about anything, even if you're right. Like it would work better as a play. Yeah. But I, 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 I think one could be forgiven for thinking it's adapted from a play. Because it, it has what you know a movie like Doubt has. Yeah. It just feels very theatrical. Yeah. And it just like, it's very, I don't know. It's just like got that thing of like everything has to relate to each other that the one French playwright of the 17th century, whose name I can't remember, was all about like your plays have to take place like in real time, in one location. Bracked. All of the characters. No, it's not Bracht. Flaubert? It's Moliere. <laughs> They all come together. Oh my god, I love Tartu. You can't have like random things happen. And like this like weaves everyone back together at the end. Mm -hmm. Like that's a very like theatrical thing to me. Brecht is not French. My bad. He's not. For a movie about, for me, for a movie about San Francisco, I felt like I didn't get any sense of San Francisco the whole time. So I wanted to talk about this. It's worth talking about because, well, why don't you talk about it? I was just, I, I feel very connected to the San Francisco in this movie, and I feel very connected to San Francisco in general. And I just feel like I know Bayview, and I know like the nuclear plant is there, and I know how people are mistreated there, and I know. So all of that. I just wish we got you, more than two shots of Bayview. Sure. If you felt that, then I feel like my opinion doesn't matter because I don't know San Francisco. So I feel like for people who do know San Francisco, it means a lot, but like also... But shouldn't it speak for itself to people who don't know San Francisco? That's exactly but, where I was going. Like, I feel like it should also bring viewers who aren't familiar with San Francisco to feel like they then also have a connection to it. I mm-hmm. think because the film is tackling gentrification, it's appropriate to have sort of a winnowing or disappearing view of San Francisco. It's mm-hmm. almost how you can't present a full picture of it because the full picture of what San Francisco doesn't exist has been eroding. Or mm-hmm. people have rather been very specific groups people have been chipping away at the oil on that canvas so there's mm-hmm. only a few small pieces of it left right that's how i i don't so much have a problem with like it not portraying like a a a, a like a like wide canvas san francisco um but i do 
that doesn't mean that I take back what I said earlier about how I f- wish that it was like a little less hermetically sealed at times because mm-hmm. I didn't get the idea of like life around the edges of the frame in this movie a lot of times. Sometimes I did. Like mm-hmm. I'm very mixed bag on this and yeah. like Ben, I ultimately am just very moved by it mm-hmm. that I can't imagine giving it anything less in my head than like a B. Yeah. You know, because I like so much of what it's getting at. It's like the, my thing with this movie I think it's often beautiful. I think it's often frustrating. Mm-hmm. I am with it 100% on the content of what it is saying. And I like the style of the film. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I like them in tandem. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of my tension and struggle throughout the film. Yeah. Which yeah. is a movie that I ultimately <clears throat> like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I. Yeah. I was going to say something and I forgot. I just. It's. I just think so much of this movie is spoken when like the lyricism of the images takes care of it. And which is why it feels like it's a theatrical situation. Like when, uh, Jimmy tells Thora Birch on the bus, we have to discuss when he says to (laughs) Thora Birch on the bus, you can't hate San Francisco unless you love San Francisco too. That's so on the nose. And it's just like, and like when they, that scene, bothered me <laughs> it bothers me too it bothers me too that thora birch isn't getting bigger roles in movies i, I haven't had <laughs> thora birch i can't believe it should be two-time academy award nominee oh for which like which? what is she doing American doing Beauty like a three-line sure. part in this fucking movie does but she live in the bay she, maybe she, she must i see i i don't have a problem with that scene so much because like i like i was talking about earlier Sometimes I am on board with a sort of like online cynicism and sometimes I find it absolutely repellent and I find it anathema to actual honest conversations about art. I find it the opposite. I find it to be the opposite of engagement. Yeah. So having said that, sometimes I can engage with it. Sometimes I can't. This movie is very earnest and it wears its heart on its sleeve and I respect it for that because I think that's brave and I think that, I, I never I never don't believe this movie because it's too on the nose. It yeah. doesn't take me out of it. Sure. And I think that is kind of a magic trick. Yeah. And I have to respect that skill. Because my I my with a movie that I'm not like all the way loving, like my bullshit detector is way up. Right. And I don't detect a lot of bullshit in the content of the movie. Yeah. It's the form that I think is well executed at just as like here's a camera, do something with it. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what are you saying with 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 these slow motion shots and these passing tableaus on the street. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? At? Like, does that work for this? Does that service the story you're telling? Mm-hmm. It doesn't completely for me in this movie. I think it works. I don't, I think that it pulls attention away from some of the issues that the movie's getting at mostly around gentrification, which I have not seen a movie articulate apart from, um, apart from little men, like articulate mm-hmm. like the very human cost and the erasure of history and culture mm-hmm. wrapped up in gentrification. I yeah. just don't see it talked about in movies mm-hmm. or, or explored so well. In movies. Yes. The biggest like issue I have is like with the bus scene, the when, when white people are brought into the movie, those are like the broadest moments to me. Which of course as white people, we all feel that way. <laughs> I feel that way too. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that they can't be, villains no 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 i know i know but everyone else just seems so finely drawn and maybe that's the point and yeah it does sort mm-hmm. of uh it's like afro surrealism is like a really big umbrella term and this i guess would technically fall under that i'm not a scholar of right this, but like 
it it is a term that is thrown around from everyone to like Toni Morrison to Boots Riley. Yeah, it's um and and I'm not willing to engage on this subject apart mm-hmm. from to say I think that this director gets away with it because the movie is in good faith. Mm-hmm. But it is a white filmmaker. It is. And so there's a there's a like the Joni Mitchell blue scene mm-hmm. does not work for me at all. I guess that's a scene where it's really earnest and it does not work for me. That it seems like sort of a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it feels like feels like a like I'm gonna graft on Joni Mitchell's blue to a scene of a lot of young black men um, in a group who are sort of in conversation but in more intention with one another. Um, Don't you think that's how Jimmy feels? Don't you think Jimmy? is separate from that and feels I think that it just there is a cognitive dissonance for me that is jarring and doesn't feel like it serves the material when you're playing a Joni Mitchell song on top of that almost because it seems to call attention to itself to say how ironic this scene is mm-hmm. to be playing it with this music choice so that doesn't work for me but on the whole I generally so I only bring this up to say like and again I don't really I don't feel like I can properly articulate this nor do I think that like I get to have so much of a say in this but like mm-hmm. can a white artist engage in Afro surrealism mm-hmm. like can a white person make a great work of black art it's an interesting question yeah um, it is and and I found myself thinking about that during this movie too mm-hmm. but I mostly think he's he's operating in good faith yeah and I don't yeah ne- and I don't necessarily think Joe Talbot the director of the film would claim that like I'm making a piece of black cinema. Yeah. You know? But, you know... You also... I really ascribe a lot of authorial intent to, to, Jimmy, to Fails. Jimmy Fails. Yeah. yeah, because it is... You know, they've said it's a very. it was very collaborative from the beginning. Mm-hmm. They came up with the movie together. It's, ba- it's more or less based on Jimmy's life. Right. Like, he was an active voice. And it, so that just brings up questions of authorship and right. all of that. And... Jimmy wanted to act in it and Joe was going to direct it. And it's just a question of like division of labor in a way. And like who it's sort of like the early Cohen movies where only who's older, Joel, Joel Joel Joel, was the director. Only Joel got director credit until no country. Mm -hmm. And you have to wonder, Jimmy was probably behind that camera. I mean, who right, knows? Right, but were, he probably like, right. uh-huh. was. It was probably basically co-directed. Yes, I think right. it's very possible. Honest, yeah, but just to say it, like the the story is by Jimmy Fails. It's right. yeah, a lot of it's autobiographical. Mm-hmm. But the two screenwriters of the film are both white. Yes. Having said all this, I think that you see Jimmy Fails' thumbprint all over this movie. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it's operating in good faith. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is an example where I think it would be appropriate for a white filmmaker to tell this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it was just Afro surrealism that made me think about that, but, um, yeah, it's an interesting conversation. And I understand Joe Talbot grew up in this world. Mm. Well, you have their friends. This is where they grew up and all of that. Yeah. Um, I, my favorite scene in the movie is the conversation that Jimmy has with his father played by Rob Morgan in the hotel room. I think Rob Morgan is extraordinary in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought he was extraordinary in Mudbound. And watching this movie, I was slapping myself for not giving him one of my own little personal nominations. I think I gave uh, both Jason Mitchell and the other guy. Garrett Hedlund. Garrett, I think I gave them both nominations mm-hmm. in my in my little personal nominations. But Rob Morgan is so much the MVP of that movie going back. Um and I just think he's astonishing in this movie. I think he lends a level of authenticity that cuts through some of the more, in my opinion, distracting stylistic elements. Um, 
and I also like the uh, actress who plays his aunt. Yes, I don't know who she is. I think she's great. She's very good. She is very good. I would like to use the ant scene to segue to a topic. Sure, please. I love a good um, topic. In the ant scene, she like warns him, "Don't let your father take the house." Basically, if that word, if he if he gets the house, but what Jimmy says is, "No, this is for us," and he is referring to Montgomery. And why isn't this a gay movie? Yes. It is it is it's, implied until it's not that they are in a relationship. I I know and it's and very I, strange. And I find it very moving. I like it. Yeah. I, I wish that they were in a real relationship. It's a very healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. There it's I don't think it's codependent, even though they spend all of their time together and they seem to finish each other's uh, sentences. Um, but I wish that it had just gone a step further and just yeah. been straight up gay. I know, yeah. and that's just who we are are. That's the audience. That's us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just wish they. That's how. It's I, funny. That, that's just, how I feel about Withnell and I. Yeah, you know, we just any want movie, them to be gay. Any movie about two close male friends, they mm-hmm. just. I'm watching the movie as they are gay. That's mm-hmm. so funny because yeah, I know you said that, Ben, and then when after you said that to me, I was like, oh yeah, that's, yeah, they. They seem like they're gay. But when I was watching, he's it, like, or you know, we, we don't like have they're... to sleep in the same bedroom. Yeah. But when I was oh. watching it, that didn't that, that didn't even cross my mind. Mm. Which I don't know why. Maybe I'm and just like um, like straight. when when it was like well, it was well established. They're staying the in Grandpa's house. And Deadpool two scholar. He's staying in like yes. the trundle bed on the floor or mm-hmm. whatever. It's like oh well, they're like they're sleeping in very close proximity. Yes. Right. And like what does that mean? Uh-huh. Like I just was. I'm just looking for gay signs in every movie. Of course, yeah. yeah. And it's there. I think. Well, and I hate to take us away from this topic which is you know rich layered complicated and dark uh well not dark it's actually quite uh, light happy um this was my letterbox log but it's a serious point mm-hmm. i think that we have to give danny glover an honorary oscar i think that we have to and it's not just because of his work as an actor but because of what he's been doing lately as a producer he produced Yance ford's documentary strong island mm. he produced uh i believe he I, I don't know if he produced sorry to bother you but he like pops up and like young like fresh mm mostly uh, black filmmakers mm-hmm. work. And he would, for someone with the amount of, like I imagine he has a lot of money just from the very, like the lethal from weapon. Operation and, Dumbo Drop. Yeah. Ah! But I just think that, Watch that movie I think that Danny Glover has done a lot of good for cinema and deserves to win. I, I, not, maybe probably, probably not the humanitarian award because he will be he needs testifying to, to Congress um, about reparations. This, this is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Danny Glover is so with it. Yeah. And he is, I mean, he's been in a hundred. He really is. He's been in 198 films. He is, hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I mean, even all the way back to The Color Purple. He's just. Oh, astonishing. He should have been nominated for that. He's so good. Um, But yeah, let me read a couple of the movies, the subtitles of the movies he's produced. Um, And I really want to see. He's in The Lighthouse? Oh, I guess so. I also really want to see To Sleep With Anger, and I'm I do too. to watch that on uh, Criterion Channel soon. Oh, this is not the lighthouse that I think it is. So, <laughs> Dan- Danny Glover... He's in Untitled Gene Manji, Welcome to the Jungle. Hold on. <gasps> Danny Glover ha- has produced the following films. Capernaum, Hale County This Morning, This Evening, Strong Island, um, the Shenandoah Documentary, the house I live in documentary. Sama. And, and no, no, I was building. Oh, I was building I'm up to. I'm reading and I was like, you skipped. Danny on. Glover co-produced Zama. What? And that is how this is like when I when I first found that out. That is when I 
dug into the Danny Glover producer section. A money. It's credit, a money thing. But, still. but like Danny Glover is spending his money mm-hmm. on making Lucrecia Martel movies, yeah. um, you know, on Capernaum, on Ramel Ross movies. Like I, I just think Danny Glover is a patron, literally a patron saint of. To the sleep cinema. with anger was his first producer credit. It's so he's helping out Charles Burnett. Mm-hmm. Like Danny Glover puts his money where his mouth is, mm-hmm. and I can, I cannot imagine he made a cent back on Zama, for instance. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but this is now twice that Danny Glover has produced films that go on to be nominated for best documentary. Mm-hmm. So Strong Island, which is the first time a trans filmmaker, mm-hmm. um, and also a trans filmmaker of color, has ever been nominated mm-hmm. for. Uh, the best documentary prize, or I think first time a trans director has been nominated, or has been well because the Matrix movies got nominations and everything. But like documentary right. is a like director mm-hmm. type prize, so that's Danny Glover. Hill County, that's Danny Glover. Mm-hmm. This guy is non—he's nonstop. Yeah. So right. I think we need to get Danny Glover an honorary Oscar. Let's call, get the Academy on the horn. Let's call Laura Dern. Let's okay. Future Academy president. No, no, no. President. Laura Dern. The, Laura oh, Dern. Literally, the only thing I care about today is that Ruthie Carter was voted onto the board of governors. Oh, was she for I the didn't, Academy? Like, any so let's get Ruthie Carter on the horn too. Um, I, like that's truly the only thing I care about today. <laughs> I'm so fucking mm. happy. Mm. So proud. So thrilled for her. What a day. Anyway, so Danny Glover, honorary Oscar. He's probably not going to get a role that will get him the, you know, an actual Oscar at this point. Let's just be real. Mm -hmm. Unless he produces an Academy Award winner. Uh, But Danny Glover needs to get an honorary Oscar. I've said it. I like that. I'm here for that. We're here. We're queer. And we're ready for it. How long have we been going? Should we move on to homework? We've been talking for like 40 minutes. We can move on to homework. Happy to move on to homework. I like beach rats. Wait, can the we only, say? Can we only, say? Can we do one thing quickly yeah. before we go on to beach rats? Oh, I do so, want to say one more thing about the. Yeah, so and the, I just the, want to say my one rude thing. Okay, oh, great. why don't you just say it now? Well, I forgot. I literally forgot I saw the movie. Over the weekend, I thought, That's "Oh, so I, that rude. I gotta see the last black man." And oh, I saw it already. Oh, I thought it was lovely. <laughs> I did too. I didn't like the very very end. I'm gonna be the Ben of this episode. Although it's beautiful. I felt nothing. Sometimes you just don't feel anything. <laughs> it happens. Because we're talking about these films today centered around the theme of these films won, these directors won the directing prize at Sundance. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, I just maybe we can talk about why we think each of these films won that prize. I don't, I don't have anything profound to say. It's just like you watch this movie, which is, I don't think it's a show-offy movie to its credit, even though it is, you know, going out of its way to do a lot of things yeah. with the camera and... You know, like the when 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 our when our two friends are on the skateboard together at the beginning and they're pushing off the asphalt mm-hmm. in perfect unison. Yeah, like it's very, uh, you know, precious. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I can I can understand why this movie won Best Director only because there is just so much on the screen, so yeah. many choices on the screen. Mm-hmm. I like the way that the style memorializes a dying neighborhood, basically, and it romanticizes it. And I do really appreciate that. Well, I one thing I like about this movie is just like the like the 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 revision of history to include the folks that got written out of it who are an integral part of the history, which is where like, you know, um whether or not his grandfather actually built the house in 19 I'm trying to think when, like 1940 something or whatever. Mm-hmm. I believe yeah, is. even if it was actually built in the 1850s, <coughs> it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Like no, his grandfather built the house because he 
he he built the family home. You know what right. I mean? Like the emotional infrastructure of the place, which is how we traditionally like define a city, not just the actual physical space of it, right. but the heart of it and the what 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 the people bring to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can respect the style of this movie for essentially doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Where, where it like you're saying memorializing this this part of San Francisco, but more specifically like the black experience in San Francisco. You know, mm-hmm. they talk about how it's like the Harlem of the West, mm-hmm. um, and how that has mostly been erased by tech bros and people yep. on segways. Um, so I, I I appreciate that sort of ecstasy that the film style brings to it mm-hmm. to call attention to that and to uh, celebrate that. Yeah. Um, it just ultimately doesn't perfectly together for me but sure. i admire it in 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 spirit and on the yeah. page mm-hmm. it's a good movie i think good movie i thought it was a good movie good movie that was a good movie head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long catch the acclaimed movie all of us strangers starring paul muscal and andrew scott Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, if you're going to San Francisco Beatrice. 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 Mm. Eliza Hitman. Hit me. Good fucking movie. Eliza Hitman is all about that body yaddy yaddy. She is. Oh! Woo! Oh! Who heard that? I wish I could I do want Harris Dickinson to crush me. I wish I could do a wolf whistle. He's very Same. young. <laughs> He's very hot. He's how, very hot. How young are we talking? I mean, it's like 21, 22. He's probably like 24. But like yeah. when this movie was made, he was younger yeah is what i'm saying like 21 um this movie <laughs> he was probably 19 when the movie shot wow he looked good doing it <laughs> mm. something I, I thought while watching this movie is huh it must be weird to be a mom and like look at be like oh my son is hot hot and that's oh my god i literally had the same thought yeah and she's like just staring at him in his underwear uh and she's like my son is fucking hot yeah (laughs) what the fuck where's her story that must be a strange (laughs) feeling for a parent to have yeah to be like just like oh my son has a body and he's probably using it. <laughs> she, so when the girl she, comes up, lying about it. Yeah, when the girl comes up from downstairs, she's like, "Here we go." She's like, first of all, congrats. <laughs> is this? First of all, congratulations. <laughs> Second of all, I'm mom. Can I make you some coffee? I'm mom. <laughs> let me pour. Let my me pour you a son cup. was dicking you down. Oh. Okay. <laughs> everyone, everyone is jealous of everyone in the room. Oh, I love um, the dicking down. I. <laughs> he was on Jeremy. Excuse me? Chatterbait. But a Brooklyn-only oh, version. Brooklyn yes. boys. Brooklyn boys. So that they're all local. Brooklyn Hi. Babies. Hi. Next. I love that. Are you Hi. there? Are you there? Show me your face. I can't see you. <laughs> Eliza Hipman does an extraordinary job here of playing with light and shadow and what we see and what we don't see, but more specifically what we choose to show and how we choose mm. to hide mm. and how that, you know. Lift up the brim of your hat. 
And Son. He, and he's like, I don't know if I can show you that much of my identity, mm. daddy. Mm. Oh. I like older men. <laughs> I don't really know what I like. I don't really know what I like. I am That's still, not what he sounds like at all. I am still transfixed <laughs> by the opening of this movie. The way that Eliza Hitman yes. not only builds like a profundity and a loneliness out of the taking a picture of yourself topless in the mirror, but like mm-hmm. the darkness and how the flash of the camera phone is what lights and it the up. The mirror is dirty. The mirror is so dirty. That's like that, He's that's, holding a weight. That's the thing that I've loved about this. So the it's fir- so The first time I saw this movie was on a la- like on a screener, like on my laptop in mm-hmm. the middle of the day. So it was like sunny and I... You know, when you're watching like something on your laptop and the sun is streaming in through the window, it's hard to see. But even mm-hmm. still, like, and it's not like so, like on the nose. It's not like so blatant. Like it's it's not like annoyingly like this is shadow, this is light. Mm-hmm. But even still, like with the screen blown out, I could tell like exactly what she was doing. And there's this like teenage dream score, teenage dream, tangerine, tangerine dream. dream. <laughs> yeah. Katy Perry is not doing the score to be. Katy Perry is not doing the score. No, it's sort of electric and generally that like you know that's sort of dreamlike. But in this case, like he is building a fantasy, but like popping out of the fantasy is just super depressing. Yeah, it's a great film. It's a great film. And those, those watching it this time now having seen Gummo, I was like, look at these Gummo. I know. It's funny. I thought that the first time I saw it, having not seen Gummo, but like only like seen stills, I'm like, it's because you got the Harmony Korean boys on on board for this one. That's funny. Those, the one, especially the youngest one, who's like, "Well, what happens if they're attracted to you?" The one, the one who, the one who, <laughs> I'm there for the weed. The one who won't go. <laughs> the one who won't go swimming. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you do all of the lines in that voice? <laughs> I'm here for the weed. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they all talk in this movie. Show it to me. It's Brooklyn. What do you mean? Don't Brooklyn make me say it. <laughs> I'm thinking about Vanessa Bayer um, doing that. She's like the child actor who blows up and uh-huh. movie, like. I wish I knew how to quit you. I'm like, yes. I don't really know what I want. That's exactly it. Joe, what is this? What's on your screen? Are those men? Are you gay, bro? Show me your cock. Uh. <laughs> That's a line in the movie. Do uh, Howard. Huh? Do Bryce Howard. Wait, what's what's uh Let's say what Harris has to show. <laughs> What's Harris Dickinson's character's name? Joe. Oh, is it Joe? And Joe, why are you doing on your laptop? And Joe His name is Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frankie, uh, are those dicks? <laughs> God help them. Frankie is hot. I forgot Frankie <laughs> Where did you get those abs? Where did he get those abs? I, I mean, like, from exercise. Seriously. Like, playing hoops. Play, shooting hoops. Playing. He's one of those. Okay. Playing Listen up. He's one of those guys that just has the genetics. He can play basketball twice a week for two hours, and he gets an eight-pack. I think that's true about Harris Dickinson, but I don't know if it's true about his father in the film. Mm. Mm. But it's great casting. His no, mother is genetic. Brandon, that is not now. a joke about his father dying. Therefore, he doesn't have a six-pack. <laughs> I, I was laughing at Reaction. Oh. Just <laughs> grunting. <laughs> like, <laughs> I agree. I love grunts. I was not laughing at Kansas. Okay, well, great. Because I didn't want to edit that out. Toy Story 4. Now in the. <laughs> Are there Toy Story 4 ads on the Beach Rats Imda page? No, I'm on the Toy Story 4 page. <laughs> really? You're like, I'm over this. What's next week? Oh, here's Duke Kaboom. <laughs> is that what we're doing next Duke week? Duke Kaboom. I think, no, next week is Dead Jarmish. 
which I'm looking forward to. Next week, we're doing Jim Jarmusch, and this has been Wait. Movies IMO. I gotta, t- I gotta tell you, <laughs> I laugh every time I see the Dead Don't Die trailer. Same. Yeah. Literally same. Are you and just quoting Ben's tweet? No. What Because he literally tweeted, I just laugh every time I see the Dead it's, Don't Die trailer. Oh, well, I feel the same way. No, I said I like movies that uh, Amy Taubin likes that no one else likes. She loves she it. On the Film Comment podcast, she was like, she, I think a disservice was done to this film by making it opening night. She's a goddess. I just, I laugh specifically every time when Bill They're Murray's ghouls. like, no, when Bill Murray's like, oh, what, what do you think it could be? And there's that pause, and I'm just like, I'm thinking zombies. <laughs> it's so funny. I think it looks great. It's so I funny. I can't wait. I hope we all stay. I haven't told you guys this yet, but I'm going to try to watch seven uh, Jarmish films between now and our recording. Ones Which you haven't ones? seen? Yeah. Which ones? Um, here I... Um, Start with Broken Flowers, my it's on favorite. Start with Stranger Than Paradise. Yes. Because the only I've seen are... Half of Only Lovers Left Alive. Is that what it's? Yes. Yeah. And uh, Patterson. That's oh. it. That's all I've seen. Well, You're I can tell you. So we're going to do Screamin' Jay Hawkins for our little like A-cast moment where we have to put okay. in the break. We'll do Screamin' Jay Hawkins. Great. What's, so I'm, what's I'm our gonna actual homework? Stranger Than Paradise. I'm going to watch Down by Law. I'm gonna watch, I have the criterion. Sh- I'm going to watch Dead Man, which is... Homework. Official homework. I'm going to watch Ghost Dog, which is official homework. Very good shit. I'm going to watch Broken Flowers. I'm going to watch all of Only Lovers Left Alive. Which is official homework. Mm -hmm. So Dead Man. We're we're watching Dead Man, Only Lovers Left Alive, Ghost Dog. Those are the official Three I haven't seen. No, I've seen Only Lovers. And we're not watching Ghost Dog because it's a ghost movie, but it is kind of fun that the word ghost is in the title for the zombie Nice. Is Johnny Depp in Dead Man? Yeah. Zombies. Is Johnny Depp the titular dead man? He is the titular man who is dead. Great. Good. I hope he stays dead, that dead ass bitch. I'm going to try to watch them in chronological order so that I then... it's like The evolution f- of a style. And then I'm like forced to watch the ones that we actually have to watch because they're a little later. I wrote my Not film them, studies, but... my bachelor's of arts <gasps> in film studies, <gasps> senior thesis on Jim Jarmusch, and it was called Jim Jarmusch the last american cowboy. Oh, hell yeah. Which I is mean, like Talbot such would love that. But isn't that like such a stupid like film no. school paper title like I the last great. american cowboy. I have a very vivid memory of seeing uh the the late the Jarmusch picture Patterson. Um, Patterson. But I I you know, I saw it alone. <laughs> is that right? And it was just very singular. Well, that's a very contemplative film. It certainly works for his solo view. And, you know, there was this guy, like, two seats over who, like, thought he left his candle on. Wait a minute. Who oh, is that guy? Hold on a second, Brandon. Did you forget that we saw Patterson together? Oh, no. Did you forget that I, le- <laughs> Did you forget that I left the theater in the beginning to text oh, no. my roommates and say... I think my candle's still burning. <laughs> How is it possible that we find an organic way to bring up this bit time and time again? Oh, it's we've not been, a bit. It is a been... formative piece of trauma for me, Brandon. It is an injury that you we've continue been... to crack the bone on. Friend of the podcast, fellow film fag, Baltimore Andrew, is is doing tweets about Taylor Swift. The song, you it's it. after 9 what? o'clock. It's 9.25. He, he tweeted this, this photo of a cat in a very skinny post office box. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Taylor's pivot to kids bop is really too funny. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good stuff. Pivot to kids bop! I'm going to retweet it as we're on the mic. As we are on the What's mic. What's his actual at? I, oh, I Ed, have Hedge Theater. Hedge Theater. <laughs> <laughs> that, that really got you.
I, I don't care if she sings about gays. That uh oh chorus is offensive. <laughs> she sings about gays. I hope she does. Okay. Oh. Everyone, hold the. I would fuck like on. everyone to explain. Sorry, I'm just reading Zach Heltzel's ten best of the decade. List. Martha Marcy May Marlene. Great film. Oh, I'm it, in already. It I'm is in. kids. Sounds Bob. like Carly Rae Jepsen. Like, put, you're taking shots of me like it's Patron. At 7 a.m.? Someone's got a drinking problem. I love it. <laughs> I hope that you people can hear it, Brandon. The phone is like 10 feet from the microphone. We're going to get arrested for this. Hi, Linda. Oh, hi, Linda. Linda was drawn to the song. <laughs> Snakes. Get it? Ooh. Trying to do like Vampire Weekend there. Brandon has his hand over his mouth. He is stirred. Brandon is doing Beyonce at that base <laughs> basketball game where she goes inside of herself face right Brandon, now. Brandon's getting lost in the music. Do we have to listen to the whole thing? I think that was enough. No, that was enough. I think I think, I think that I think that's chorus. below. I believe that's still within the legal limit. All right, Brandon, what did you have to think? I think that's fair use. So we're protected well, by the law. Uh-oh. You know, the law is on our side. I'm fine with what she's doing this era, but I think it's going to be among the least. Well, I told the you least what exciting I, I work heard of recent. All of these songs were written before Reputation, so she's four years out of date. It's it's dated. This was because it is be, dated. That's precisely what I like about it. That this was supposed to be the follow up to 1989, and then the internet came crashing down on her, and she went all in on hip that. <laughs> and then now she's she put like back. a whole album aside and wrote a new album. That song feels shrink wrapped to me, but it feels like she's peeling the edges off as you build to the chorus. I I like it. I mean, I like me, and I like this song. I'm glad and- that you like you. Thank you very much. Brandon, I can't, I really can't undersell the importance of self-love these days. Thank you. In the words of Haley Steinfeld, I masturbate. What's the song called? (laughs) I have have no idea what it is. Love yourself. Love myself. I thought you were going to quote True Grit. When When she crosses the river, comes out the other end, sopping wet, looks. She's like, I do believe my constable will report about it. <laughs> she looks Rooster Cogburn right in the eye and says, I masturbate. <gasps> Brandon, oh. that is a child. Oh my god. She was a child then. Anyway, I oh. enjoy the oh. song. Thank you next. <laughs> it's a good song. It's cute. Kids okay. Bob. Okay. What were we talking? Martha Marcy May Marlene. Martha Marcy the May. So Beach Rats is great. I only got to watch the first hour of it. Uh, and then I had planned to finish it after work, and then work stretched until I came. I thought I was going to have to work past 8.30. Yikes. And then it all came together. And I left at like 7. So why do we think that Eliza Hittman won the Best Directing Prize? And are we going to talk... Raw talent. And are we going to talk about that infamous moment at the Q&A at Sundance where a gay man accused Eliza Hittman of being homophobic? I don't remember. Well, who accused? I, that might be like one of my. I thought may, might have been covered. I my friend of mine who works at Sundance, I believe, moderated that Q and A's. I think I heard about it through the grapevine. Mm. But yeah, apparently, like some older gentleman 
was like, a lot of gays don't like. A it. lot of gays think the whole thing's homophobic. But it's about internalized it's homophobia, about internalized homophobia I and agree. a toxically male environment. Exactly. Something that uh, fellow film fact Jeffrey McCran. It's not that he thinks it's homophobic, but he just doesn't want to watch this story anymore. That's, and like that's fair. That's fair. I think that's fair. But I would say what's so striking about the film's context around that is that there are smartphones Mm -hmm. there is the internet and just because we feel like we are past this moment out here in la Mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of gay people a lot of trans people Mm -hmm. a lot of folks who are are, do not do not uh enjoy that type of luxury where they can't be past this type of story and i think one of the film's strokes of genius in the screenwriting is that it takes place in brooklyn just a couple miles away from where the cast of girls is doing crack in a warehouse Mm -hmm. and having a la-di-da adventure about it we're like in fucking flatbush in this yes basically yeah I, I, I really love the setting of this film because it automatically draws in the proximity between like he is mm-hmm. so close like pro, pro, proximately yes proximately I don't know the word he is mere miles away from uh, the uh, party girl bar yeah. in Williamsburg or whatever which wasn't there when the movie came out but you know what I mean mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. freedom is right there and, and the fa- he won't go to Manhattan with his girl no she wants to go to Manhattan. They won't go to Manhattan. Yeah, you won't do it. Why would you go There's to Manhattan? There's enough good bars right here. And there are good bars right here. That's like me when I'm visiting my friends in Brooklyn. Like, why would I go to Manhattan? There's plenty of good bars right here. It's just this this watch for me, because I hadn't seen it since I saw it at Office the first time. It was just the sadness mm-hmm. really resonate and the fact that he He's could such a sad boy. He could easily yeah. find that freedom. Mm-hmm. But he prevents himself. Right. From finding it because he's so afraid, and he's very, and, that's what's sad. and he's very hot. He's very built. He could yeah. probably get a job. He uh, could get a boyfriend in a millisecond. Well, no, and but, a job. No, but he could probably get a job like o- over in gentrified Brooklyn. Frankly, knocking down some historic buildings to build up a five floor condo. Mm-hmm. There are to bring it back oh, to I last black man in San Francisco. Go go dancing. He could go, or he could he could go go dance too. But I mean, like within the milieu that he's comfortable with, yeah, he could certainly get construction work mm-hmm. in Bushwick. Yeah. It could be like that episode of High Maintenance. Oh, this is going to be the High Maintenance episode uh, now. The, be- the best show on television. Mm. Speaking of great stories of queer love okay. in Brooklyn, not about like white yuppies in Brooklyn or like your Elijah's from Girls, um, <coughs> that wonderful episode about the, uh, the young immigrant who is working at the construction site and sort of falls for the man who works at the bodega. Mm-hmm. I think oh, that's one of the. So I think it's one of the best pieces of queer storytelling this year. It's what so episode good. is it? I don't remember. I don't remember the name I of it. I can tell you. Which it ta- it, it, it is. And, uh, there are also fireworks. It takes place on the oh. like around the Fourth of July. Oh. And he doesn't speak English. I um actually I don't think he's an immigrant. I think he's Puerto Rican. Um I can't remember. Um but he doesn't speak English and he uh, has a routine like when everyone like goes to lunch like he goes to this bodega and buys the same sandwich from this man behind the counter um and they it's like a very it's like all told through gays and um like mm, people longing. didn't put uh episode descriptions on the wiki Uh-oh. um could someone get on that hello people are sleeping on high maintenance i think it was like second to last though it was yeah, like it's very, towards the end it might be this episode called proxy or dongle or finger butt it wasn't finger butter with. <laughs> what did you just call me? Wait, and then I believe the dongle. The episode was directed by a director I know. It doesn't. It doesn't have any of the writers or directors filled in either. I'm looking it up. It's fucking bullshit. I'm looking it up. Hold, please. 
I'm looking. I up. just don't care oh, about Elizabeth Olsen enough to oh, really like that movie. Oh, I thought you liked Mary Marthy Martha Lacey Lean. Yes, it's Dongle, and it's directed by Silas Howard, so it's okay. directed by a trans director. So on top, like it's an extra, it is queer storytelling, and we should be talking about it. Hell yeah. Um, Marthy Mays, Maceline, um, maybe it's Maybelline. I enjoy. I think Sarah Paulson's so good. Sarah Paulson's fantastic. The cast is what's his man from Hannibal is hot. Hugh Dancy. When they when she walks in on them, fucking. She doesn't walk in on them. She gets in bed. She She literally slides in. I love it's. It's what you. Did you guys know that's Brady Corbet? Yes, I did know that. Hot but I but I film. thought that Brady and the Brady other Corbett one's was, hot too. I thought Brady Corbet, uh, Chris Rabbit, Christopher yeah, Chris Rabbit, and John Hawks, who looks exactly like Charlie Manson, is also kind of hot. Mm. Charlie Charles Manson, I don't find hot. But I just John like Hawks what this do. film does with trauma, and what this film does about the past repeating, and just I don't think it's so much about the past repeating. Although there are elements of how Hugh Dancy is directed to. Uh, like touch Martha and kiss Martha, just like just in, in seemingly innocuous ways out of context, but they're literally the exact same invasive gestures that John Hawks is doing mm-hmm. in the cult. Mm-hmm. I just think it's very smart direction the way that like echoes throughout. Yeah, it's not. And I don't think it's like the past repeating itself. It's more it's about the, it's that. more about the ubiquity of uh, you know patriarchy and the way that we imprison women. Yeah, it's even not... in, even even in ways that seem completely ordinary. That's what it is, and yeah. e- and even affectionate. <clears throat> Like the, mm-hmm. the, the the way that we force women to be uh, certain uh, domestic objects in that way. Yeah. yeah. Um. I think you put your finger on it though when it comes to trauma, which is what I find so effective in the Elizabeth Olsen performance. How she she knows exactly when to go big and when to. I, I love the I love the tension as an audience member watching that performance when you just are wanting more from her, and that's so much of what all the characters in the film are dealing with with her. Like, why won't you tell us what's going on? Why mm-hmm. are you behaving this way? Like, mm-hmm. why are you why are you retreating into yourself instead of sticking your or, or 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 taking my hand that I am putting out to you because I am your sister? Yeah. But it's not. And I was thinking this when I watched the movie. I'm like, am I feeling that way because she just actually isn't really doing anything, or am I feeling that way because she's sculpting the performance that way? And then there are these moments of real like emotional exorcism and like bursts of uh, like pain that are coming out of her. And I think those moments are so well acted. And could feel like histrionic or over the top if it weren't for just what I consider to be like a very well balanced quality to the performance mm-hmm. when it comes to just sort of what you're going to give and what you're going to keep for yourself. And and when you're portraying like a survivor, like she is someone who is just like so weighted down in the trauma of being in this cult and she's raped in the film and she has no control in the film or, or in the, on the farm in the cult. Like I can, I can watch her. It's not just not watching her like process what's going on. Like, like how she's like reconciling what happened to her because it's not really that because even she doesn't know what really happened to her. The reason why she can't talk about it is because she has no fucking idea what happened, mm-hmm. but it's more just like watching her react to things is what I really enjoy in this mm-hmm. film and how, and just her stillness. And even when she, like when she's, you know, alone in which you should be relaxed. There's this element of panic to it. And um, I don't know. I, I think it's great. But, I, but I, I, I'm also really impressed with the filmmaking, which is, I think it was a smart directing prize winner. There's some shots yeah. in this film that are just extraordinarily well I like that long, opinion. that wide of the bedroom when she's having her like big meltdown mm-hmm. and how the camera just doesn't move. But what I don't like about that scene is I don't like the music. What is the music? The music comes in big. 
It's like it's like herky jerky, like Bernard Herman, like like she's like having a meltdown. I don't remember that. I don't like the music in that moment, but I do like that the camera just stays in that wide and that she's not in the center of the frame. And Mm -hmm. I think, and a lot of times you don't get her. There's like a pool, not a pool, but like when they're on the lake, Mm -hmm. or no, 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 it's when they're in the garden, Mm. and like. That's a nice shot. Both of them are like obstructed in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a I nice don't know. shot. I think that the closeness, or just like the claustrophobia of a lot of the close-ups in this film, a lot of the cinemat- cinematography <laughs> is really well executed because it evolves and stands for different things as it goes. Like in the beginning, when she's escaped the cult, it's almost like you're begging for a wide shot so you can make sure that there's not a cult member like in the driveway like watching her. Like mm-hmm. she is at the same time like she is she cannot get beyond herself. She is trapped. Yeah. And so it both like it lends this like inescapable quality to her mental state while at the same time lending an additional dose of paranoia to the proceedings for me. Like you you just desperately want to know what's going around on around her not just so she can have a better idea of that but because there's like she's been through such an awful experience, such a harrowing ordeal, and the more we learn about this cult, like we find out how much more you know how more dangerous they are. At first, it's just like a, not 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 just a, but it's a sort of antiquated uh, gender role thing where the men eat first and the women wait in the kitchen, and you think that's sort of the extent of it. And then you find out there's this systematic rape that's going on, and then you find out that they're murdering people and breaking into homes, and it's very like Mansony esque. Um, anyway, so I just I think that the close-ups are great in this movie because they you want to make sure that she's safe mm-hmm. and that someone's not about to pop into frame at the same time. It just like, it's a smart visual articulation of like how trapped she is yeah. in her head like that. Yeah. And of course like the mirroring between this is direction, but also the production. I just like the mirroring of how all the physical spaces look the exact same in this movie, which is, I think not just to like get after like the passage repeating itself, not to, not to dig in on that point too much, but and it's not so much that like she sees the her old life like all around her everywhere, but more just like that the it, it sort of implies that that she will always be stuck in that house. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just like there for me. Well, I've been talking for too long. So I'll say something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. I movie. just don't. I, I'm not invested enough in anyone in this movie to not just constantly think about all of the movies where I've seen the same things mm. and like. Like, it just feels like an exercise in showing what cults are like to me. Like, that's all I get out of it. And and, and I spent a good, I've, I spent a fair amount wondering, huh, I wonder how long it took to shoot this scene. Huh, I wonder what hmm. part of the day they shot this at. Like, mm. like I'm not invested in anything that happens. Yeah, in this you're movie. thinking about the filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I, I am like, I'm just a- like, I wonder what the, I wonder what the AD did on this movie. <laughs> what they had for lunch. I, I, I'm like like on a razor's edge tense throughout this whole film. I'm completely captivated by it. I, I was too. I was I'm pretty in it. And it's because of Elizabeth Olsen for me. I think that the filmmaking has a tremendous amount of control, which is not just a show off like the the matches between like the stirring of the spoon and the mm-hmm. tea. Um or or sort of the moment where she refuses the green juice and rather the pineapple because you realize later like they would prepare a green juice mm-hmm. mixed with some sort of drug to yeah. knock out young right. girls so then John Hawks can rape them. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just think that all I think all of, all of those small details are very smart, but just the construction of it, it, it's something that couldn't be found on set. Not that we've talked about so many Cassavetti's movies here. Like obviously I think we all appreciate like finding the movie on set. 
but I, I, I really admire the grand design of the thing and I don't find it cold or inhuman. I think that it both is high, a highly calculated piece of filmmaking and I don't want to say warm, but I do think it's a deeply compassionate piece of filmmaking and it's odd. Like, I'm not going to say this movie reminds me of Kubrick, but like Kubrick can do that, you know, where yeah. it's so precise, but it is deeply human at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, For I get sure. that from this. And I get that from Vox Lux, frankly. Fox, Fox, Fox. I can't believe this was her debut. Elizabeth? Yeah. Truly, well, wow. Well, she'd, she'd been in some of the Mary-Kate and Ashley movies. Yeah, um, but, but yeah. like... Feature yeah. film debut. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I do anyway, think, I think speaking I, of farting... Well, I, just wanted, I just want to call out the one shot, the best shot in the movie, I think, is where uh-huh. she's like sitting next to Sarah Paulson like out on the lake. She's like, I'm going to go swimming. And then we do a flashback to like her and John Hawks like going swimming and then John Hawks like jumps like jumps in the water like starts swimming and then she fall like she jumps in right after him and yep. then the camera like pans over to the left like as they're swimming in the water and then you see that Sarah Paulson is sitting in the beach chair right mm-hmm. there and then like just the way that we're blending the past and the present yep. together and I then like how moment. when they when she then gets out of the water it's on a very fancy dock mm-hmm. whereas in the the first time she jumped in the water it was that you know, just like a couple two by fours put together. Not yeah. not not as simple as that, but like a completely different doc. Like yeah. it's just very well orchestrated, I think. Yeah. Um, no. I remember perfect a... visual articulation of the movie's dialogue. Mm-hmm. I remember another moment similar to that and having to be like, wait, are we in the past or present? Mm-hmm. There's so many moments like that throughout mm-hmm. the film. Like you think that she's doing dishes with Sarah Paulson and she's actually mm-hmm. with the crazy lady. Yeah. Stabber. Who is in so many things? I who's in Vox Lux? She's in. Can't she's believe she escapes that new cult black. only to get shot by her student in the opening moments of Vox Lux. Not fair. Oh not no! Fair. It's it's such a sad life. But she not led. before being married to Piper's brother in that TV show. That's Orange somehow still black. on the yeah. air. Orange is the new black. Is that what you're talking about? It is. Yeah. She's in a lot of things, and I'd like to call her out. Maria. It is Maria. season eight, Maria. debuting this Mar- July. Maria Ditzia, who's also yeah, great in amazing. While We're Young. This July. She's great in, oh, she's in Late Night. She's great in. Gotta see Late Night. What TV show is she in that I really liked her in? She's great. Or is this New Black? She was, what was it? Orange oh, the New oh, Black. Oh, it was Louie. Oops. Oh. Sorry. Oops. You're well, canceled. Never mind. It's okay. not her fault that she's great in a bad It's thing. true. It's yeah. true. So. Oh, wanna, and apparently. about the farting? And apparently the dir- So Sean Durkin is attached to do the uh, uh, development hell mainstay Janis Joplin film. The Jackie hey. Jorp Jomp film with uh, Jane Krakowski. Um, but it's supposed to star. I can't Amy Adams. No. Oh, it was Renee. supposed to star Amy Adams at some point. Um, it's been through so many different uh, iterations of star and director, and this time it is going to be, and I think Jessica Chastain was supposed to be there at one point, it is going to be Michelle motherfucking Williams. That would <gasps> be great. If it happens. If it happens. So. Talk about the farting, your favorite. So this film moves me. I like the um, friendship. Mm-hmm. I like and then, and then, yes, we find out Paul Dano's a creep. But as I said at the top of the episode... Or mentally ill. I think it works in the same way that a movie a lot of people hate, Under the Silver Lake, works, um, just in addressing toxic masculinity. Um, and I think 
Daniel Radcliffe farting into the day and and it's what's the funny, funniest thing and I've ever what seen. her what, it's basically the same ending as the last black man in San Francisco. He's boating away in the bay. What? Mm-hmm. Shit! What's her name? The girl he stalks, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. When she says, "What the fuck?" I mean, I think I think that's so funny. I, it's hilarious. I think that doesn't actually happen. Like, no, I think he goes to jail. Yeah, like he doesn't. The corpse doesn't actually fart away. Right. That's all in his head. He just goes to jail. Well, it was all in his, the whole thing was in his head. And I think there's a version of this movie I like better. And by the way, you think I the whole... love Swiss Army Man. Like, yeah, he's been camped out right by their yeah. house. Like, the you time. you find it like all the locations were just in the little canyon in her backyard, basically right. down yeah. a hill. Yeah. I mean, I think. I think that it, yeah, it's getting at the, that he's a creep, and I like this like toxic masculinity ice bucket that's thrown on you at the end. But I think it's also clear that he's mentally ill, and that's part of it. Yeah. I also wonder, like, it makes you wonder. Well, I have I didn't rewatch the movie, so I don't want to wade into these waters um, since I haven't. It's not fresh in my mind. But like, you almost wonder if like they were getting at something like more about like mental illness in that way than they were like toxic masculinity. But like I said at the beginning, I do think that like all of these totems that he assigns meaning to and like humanity out of like Jurassic Park and like the quirky girl you love on the bus. Like it all feels very intentional in the way that it's crafting a character who doesn't actually know all the secrets to life and that his life or that his viewpoint is very narrow um, and destructive. But I, but I do find the movie very moving and very fun. And I wonder if I like, I, my problem with the movie, and again, I love I, I love this movie like so much, but the movie is so good at capturing that exhilarating rush of friendship, like you're saying, Brandon, and just like DIY invention, like with all the sets out in the forest, with the make your own buses and the and like the shadow puppet show for Jurassic Park and everything, um, and also sort of the quiet, more intimate, and I think very moving moments where he's like, farting makes you a human. Like it's like I find that like an inversion of the way that we're used to talking about what it means to be human. And I find it clever. I find it funny, dark, rich, layered, complicated. And I almost wonder if I would have preferred the movie to just kept going down that path and not felt the need to address anything at the end, Mm. but what it had been reveling in before. Like, yeah, yeah, I get that. I just think, but I still, I think it works works for me. It works for me too. I'm just saying, I wonder if I like the version of the movie where it ends up being about something else. better. Yeah. What do you think, Benjamin? I, I still I am amused by the the machinations of it, mm-hmm. but and the boner. Let's not forget the boner. Yeah, the boner, the compass boner, the the, the fresh water in his mouth. So funny. Um, mm-hmm. but watching it a second time, I I am totally repulsed by Paul Dano from start to finish. Interesting. Maybe and maybe we're supposed to be. But that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that you have to like it. Like may, maybe that's a failure of the movie. Yeah, I think um, Daniel Radcliffe's performance in this is oh, I think he should have been, he should have been nominated for an Oscar, which is a cold take at this point. But I think Radcliffe should have been nominated for an Oscar for this. I mean, what he's doing is pretty. I think Daniel Radcliffe is the talented. Well, I think that's like if we there are different performances. But a lot of credit goes to Daniel Day Lewis and my left foot mm-hmm. for that type of physical performance. Like we we love a physical performance, mm-hmm. right? And Daniel Radcliffe is doing that as well, and he's doing it expertly, and he's doing it in a way that we don't often see, which is with humor. Yeah, you know, it's very funny and it's also very moving to use that word for the fiftieth time. I like the film quite a bit. I love when it. When he looks at the magazine, he's like, "What's that?" <laughs> and the verbal delivery is really funny. It is, yeah. 
Yeah, he's funny. He's funny, funny in it. It Just is a that, funny movie. That the initial jet skiing on the back of Daniel Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, and when using the farts as propulsion, it's just delicious. I just want to know. It is very inventive. Yes. I just want to know, like, where they were, what they were doing when Daniels came up with this idea. Because mm-hmm. it is. I can tell you what they were doing. Jeweling. They were not jeweling. They were do- what? Damn it! What's the line of beach rats that you were doing? I want the weed. Uh, I mean, yes, that's what they were doing. But like, they're they they just tapped into something that feels like no other. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's so cliche to be like, it's such an original, but it's well, literally mu- such an original. They're music video directors, so they're used to this type of storytelling, right? Yeah. I I will share an anecdote. My little sis- friend of my little sisters. Um, who I won't name drop. I won't, I won't dox her. I won't say who she is on the mic, but like she's now gone on to, she's got a great job. Very happy for her. She's doing great. When this movie came out, she had just graduated college and was driving for Lyft or driving for Uber. And she had a passenger in the back of her car who was on his way to LAX. She was like, where are you going? He's like, Oh, I'm actually going to Sundance. She's like, Oh my God, I've been to Sundance before. Like, that's so exciting. What are you doing there? Like, what do you want to see? She's like, actually I'm a filmmaker. And it was Daniel mm-hmm. Kwan. <laughs> she drove Daniel Kwan to Sundance and a couple days later he would get she kidnapped him and drove him all the way to Sundance exactly yeah, yeah. Nice. Mm. and that was the movie it was kind of a green book mm. situation mm. but oh not at all a green book situation oh. but I love like I, I just I love that only because like she was he was so excited apparently mm-hmm. but like his movie would then be booed like two or three yeah. days later with walkouts. Oh, I forgot I got True. booed because of tooting. Have you guys been to Sundance before? Mm-mm. No. There, it's like a the the crowd there is interesting. It's they like, love it, to boo. It's a mixture of like young, like quote unquote, in the most quote unquote way possible way, hip audiences who have like either they either like have good jobs or their parents are rich or they've saved a lot of money, and they're up they're up in Sundance and they're trying to check stuff out and they're excited about the movies. There's also a large contingency of like the LA programming scene. Not just LA, like the world's like programming scene comes to Sundance. And then there are old, rich, white people mm-hmm. who live in Utah right. or who live in California or New mm-hmm. York and go there, you know, for the social aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And those, I imagine, the people who booed and walked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the, they're like, I, I mean, stood it's in, still one best director. It's still one best director, which is great. Mm-hmm. Thank you to the jury that year. Uh, I I had the, had this older white man who I was like trudging through the snow to go see the Hal Ashby documentary and I like missed the bus or something I'm just like freezing and trying to get to the th- I don't remember which theater it was but it was like way out there and I like this man seems doing the same thing and he just like sort of gloms onto me and then I can't get rid of him for like three or four hours like he wanted to sit next to me at the movie and then he's like, like what do you do for work I'm like. I'm a film festival programmer. I actually screened for the festival this year. He was like, oh, well, I happen to be a producer of films. And oh, like, gave no. me his card. But he did give me like a little protein bar. He gave me a cliff, he gave me a cliff bar during the movie. So it, all, it all works out, but it, it was it was out. it was not fun. Well, we take, us take us home. This has been another episode of Movies IMO. You can follow us on Twitter at Movies IMO. You can rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, on Acast, on Spotify, on Google Play, on Stitcher. All types of platforms. Your podcatcher of choice, you might say. As they say in the biz. Um, my name is Ben MP. You can find me on Twitter at real.haynes. I'm Daniel Crook. You can find me on Twitter at Daniel Crook with three O's. Um, and nothing, nothing would bring me more joy 
than if Clint Eastwood were to come out and say, I was the director of Booksmart, and then watch how a certain segment of Twitter reacts to that. Because it seems like the overlapping between people who hate Booksmart are the exact same people who love Clint Eastwood. And I would just, I would just like to see it. And I'm Jean Dielman, and I forgot to pop up on this episode, oh. but I'm just signing off for me. <laughs> Thank you. I was I was going to I was going to cover it for you and say, "What if Jean Dielman was a corpse who could fart?" I was going to say she well, is the Swiss that? Army, Jean <laughs> Dielman. She, she, she can do anything. She can. Um I'm Brandon Kirby. You can find me on Twitter at BK Kirby. As we said, next week we will be Rate discussing five stars. I said that. I'm saying it again. Okay. Tell us. Do you want to see Daniel Radcliffe's Harry Butt crack in another oh. film? Do you think it's actually his butt? Yes. Yes. Okay. He's a comedian. We know actor. he's also, we've seen furry. his whole, but he, he did Equus on Broadway. Yeah, I'm just wondering. He's a he flaunted man. it all. Yeah, but that's a... Who else did a... Theater is transient. Who else did a dirty Google back when Daniel Radcliffe was in Equus? Raise your hand. Everyone except <laughs> for Ben is raising their hand. No, I mean... I even Linda's like, raising her hand. Like, she was this is season three. Brandon, is it fixed? Season two. Brandon organized our seasons on iTunes. Thanks, Brandon. Season ooh, season two is long, long season, a lot of horses. Season one, <laughs> and somehow these are still unknown. Okay, I'll well, fix we'll have that. We'll figure that out later. We'll do. We'll so do what's, happen, what's happening next We're week? doing Jim Jarmusch. Oh, yeah, we talked about it. We're talking about seven Jarmusch films. Yeah, I'm doing talking about all of them. That's just over half all of them. I'm actually going to watch 15 Jim Jarmusch films in the next four days. Well, good luck to you if Thank you are you. trying to stretch out your days to be as long as possible and really get into the groove of every moment really feel time man mm. you should do that I'm also coffee and cigarettes if you are listening to this I've not seen that one on release Good day movie. what if you're listening to this on release day three days ago i saw parasite thank you oh hell yeah oh fuck off Mm-hmm. Oh, I, that can't be the last moment. That's not very nice. I hope they replace it with a screening of Men in Black International. They already checked the DCP. I hope it bursts into flame. <laughs> the winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much.